This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Podcast ain't played nobody. My name's Stephen Godfrey. I'm at 38 Godfrey uh, on Instagram, on Twitter. I am part of the Banner Society. You can find us at Banner Society on Instagram, on Twitter. Pretty much everywhere that you would want to look. We're on Twitch. We do fun stuff everywhere. What am I talking about? Well, of course, we're going to talk about another great, wonderful week of college football. But I would also like to mention to you the other Banner Society things that I need to promote. That's why I have a show intro segment. Um, I'm still on the ESPN CFB 150 thing. You can catch that. It's usually on Tuesdays. You can check my Twitter account at 38Godfrey for when that actually, when I know I'm coming up. Sometimes the producer says like, hey, you're in this show a lot. You big goofy foreheaded doof. Um, and then I'll tweet that out if you guys want to catch that. Spencer's on there as well. Spencer Hall of uh, Every Day Should Be Saturday fame. Uh, what else is going on around here? So if you are a fan of Instagram for olds, we had a setback last week. I tried to do Instagram live. My Wi-Fi disagreed with that concept. My children disagreed with that concept. I'm going to create a hybrid of live with then also the actual Instagram photos the way I have been doing it. We know you guys like it because it's it's fun. We get a lot of response. I like doing it. I think it's great. I talk very little football, which is great because I can hide how little I know about football. But uh, the Instagram Live was a freaking disaster, and no one needs to stare at my face that long. So we're going to bring it back this Saturday morning. It's just going to be a little bit different. I'm actually going to be in the Eastern time zone. So stay tuned for that. That's going to be on the Banner Society Instagram. Uh, the other thing that I need to plug more than anything else is the fact that University of Georgia fans – um, they're scared. Flat out, they're scared. It's my podcast. I can say whatever I want. Shutdown Fullcast is live in Jacksonville. All right? You can go November 1st, 8 p.m. at Smash. That's on the Phillips Highway in Jacksonville. By the way, you can check out 2525snakes.com for ticket information. Tickets are going quickly. However, one thing we've noticed is that we're getting more Floridians and Florida fans for this show, which is on Cocktail Party Eve, I might add, than we are Georgia fans. I find this offensive and pathetic. I am from the state of Georgia, although I hold no affiliation degree, anything from the University of Georgia. I think it's pathetic. I think it's awful. Um, I think you're embarrassing yourselves, and I think you're probably too busy hiding behind your bag of golf clubs, talking about your country club. And you need to go to shut down full cast live in Jacksonville. Defend your honor, damn it. Uh, tickets are available at 25snakes.com. Again, 25snakes.com. They're going fast. So please, please, please get your tickets now. Go see those idiots. I won't be there. I'll be there in spirit. It's the same thing. All right. Uh, we got a full week. Um, if you listened to the coaching show yesterday, which is probably still on your feed, 
We teased Florida State. Bud's going to get into some Florida State stuff. We're going to talk about the situation with Willie Taggart, and we're going to run through a very long list of games. Uh, it's a great week for college football. It is a flip around Saturday if there ever was one. And uh, it definitely gives you the feeling that something disastrous slash fun um, is going to happen. So have a good week. Richard, what week is it? Week nine, baby. Week nine, tasting menu. Week nine. Don't know what happened to those other eight weeks, but here we go on week nine on that tasting menu. Guess what? Thursday still kind of sucks. Although I bet when they scheduled this, they thought it would be decent. SMU goes to Houston 6.30 ESPN at 6.30. God's time zone. We're going to jump straight to Friday. The suddenly red-hot Trojans of Southern California. They go to Colorado on ESPN 2, 8 o'clock Central. That's uh, that's it, guys. That's uh, that's your weeknight games. Have we seen how much Colorado's defense has cratered? I literally was just going to say, boy, howdy, it is nice when you get to play Arizona and Colorado back-to-back. Because Arizona's defense was making some business decisions in the first half last week. Uh, You can tell, especially on the, I think, the second touchdown that USC had. I mean, there's a DB who dead-ass Olaid for a touchdown. And Colorado just isn't that good. What Power 5 defenses do you think Colorado is better than? Um, I would, I would, I would say they are bottom ten. I would not say they're bottom five. They are better than the Atlanta Falcons. I think they might be bottom five. Like, (laughs) they're close to Oregon State bad. I think. So here's what I'm hearing from all this. Uh, since we don't have to make a pick because there's only two games, we have another week of this sort of creeping resurgence of the USC Trojans. That's fair to yes, say. Yes, because they, even though they got some, okay, do it, go for it, bud. They got a bunch of injuries on defense. They have a bunch of running backs hurt. They might need to throw their way to like a 50-30 game. They could do that. They have good wide receivers. I, I was going to say, I think they probably can do that, to be honest with you. At least against Colorado, they could. Yes. I, I think that Colorado Colorado showed that if you really kind of go at them through the air, like against Washington State, I should say, they showed. If you go at them through the air... With some of those principles and some of that air raid stuff, you can and should be able to absolutely dice them. So what we talked about at the beginning of the season was when the coaching, the carousel starts, the cascade effect would begin with Southern Cal, right? They've they've had Lynn Swan resign, fire, however the hell you want to paint that. And now we're looking at a USC that still controls its destiny to get to the championship game, still very much alive for the Rose Bowl. Facts, as Richard says. Facts. Big facts. Big facts, gentlemen. Let's move to Big Saturday. Uh, app goes to South Alabama at 11 a.m. God's time zone, ESPNU. Illinois goes to Purdue on Big Ten Network. Iowa is at Northwestern. Mm, these just these feel like good old... Th- these are early morning Big Ten games. I mean, I'm not saying that because I'm going to watch them. I'm not, but like, mm, yeah, Big Ten. Take a nap. You've already mowed the lawn, maybe. Uh, Iowa goes to Northwestern at 11 a.m. on ESPN2. Liberty's at Rutgers. Gosh. Um, that's on the Big Ten slash Fox. Uh, check your local, local listings type situation. Miami is at Pittsburgh on ESPN. Mississippi State is at Texas A&M. Oklahoma goes to K-State on ABC. Uh, San Jose State goes to a, a I can't say wounded army because that's a bad joke, but a, uh, a reeling army. Let's say that. Uh, Wisconsin goes to Ohio State at 11 a.m. on Fox. Uh, we're moving along. We've got 
Bowling Green going to Western Michigan on ESPN3. And then on the plus, I'm going to start calling it the plus. Southern Miss uh, is at Rice. I will hold on the 1 o'clock games. I'll push them into the afternoon slot. All right, gentlemen. Uh, we were going to find out a whole bunch of cool things about uh, how good Ohio State was, but then Wisconsin lost to Illinois. So so what, what, what am I going to learn here this week? I mean, you could still figure out how good Ohio State is, primarily because... I mean, I, I think I think you may still find out how good Ohio State is because the way Wisconsin wants to play is to challenge Ohio State physically. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think there's a lot of – with with the way Ohio State's defense matches up against Wisconsin's offense, I don't think there's a lot of secret sauce here. I don't think, they, think that there's a lot of schematic ingenuity. Don't take that to mean I think either coaching staff is dumb or, or blockheaded or whatever. I just think, like, it's kind of what you see on the screen. Ohio State's going to play a 4-3 defense. They're going to try to gap control. Maybe they'll bring a nickel back uh, on a slot blitz if they really want to get fancy. But uh, this is your top team. Ohio State is. Yeah, they dominated a Northwestern team. That's not a good one, but they went ahead and, and smacked them again. By the way, we were right uh, about Wisconsin, about the skepticism about Wisconsin. Just they had done what they needed to do, but they really hadn't played even a decent offense yet. I, or even I a, wish a too below hard. average. Um, it's my fault. You've been making fun of me trying to slide. Bud's not on the Sunday show, but he caught me sliding Wisconsin into my elite ass playoff teams and admonished me at work. And uh, Bud was right. <laughs> Hashtag Bud was right. Um, Okay, so we all feel pretty confident that Ohio State's going to win. Gentlemen, is this a game, just in terms of viewability? Yeah, because honestly, if you want to watch that old school, like, slobber knocker Big Ten football, like, yeah. It's just, it's hard to blow Wisconsin out. But why is it hard to to just blow Wisconsin out? Shouldn't you be able to, if, if you're this much more talented, like Ohio State allegedly is, shouldn't you just be able to beat them by 28? Well, they, they they play good defense. I mean, legitimately, they they had an off game against, against Illinois. I don't think they're the best defense in the world, but it, it's it's typically you're not going to just get tons of wide open guys against them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on offense, they they play at a slow tempo. So in order to blow somebody out, you typically either need to shut them out or you need to get a good number of of, of possessions. Um, and you know, if you only get like six possessions and or, or seven possessions uh, in, in the first half, it, it's just difficult for this thing to be. You know, twenty-eight, three and a half. Now it's very possible because Ohio State, I, I think, is the best team in the country. Uh, but I, this this could be a game for a half. I I made the number fourteen, and the number came out at I think fourteen and a half. So I'm not betting it, but like the number's not twenty-eight. It's it's reasonable. Okay, so uh, it feels like I've got two quarters and a nap, and then I'm good. All right. Uh, a 24-point road favorite, according to the Budster. Oklahoma's going to Kansas State. Uh, is this a, is this a thing? Is this a game? Is this a trap? K-State, very, very K-State-ish this year. Didn't really, didn't miss a beat. Still very Bill Snyder-y. It's a lot of points. I'm, I, I went ahead and took Kansas State right before this. You can check the uh, Bud's Bets column on uh, on Banner Society and watch the Twitch every Sunday at 2 Eastern uh, for, for the lines coming out. But I, I said on that show I would take this if it got over 21 and uh, got up to 24, so... Very happy with that now. Richard, tell me something about Oklahoma that doesn't involve the words Jalen Hurts. Yeah, Jalen Hurts, look, Jalen Hurts rightfully takes up a lot of the oxygen in the discussion when you talk about Oklahoma's offense. But I'm about to put some respect on Kennedy Brooks' name, baby. Um, look, Kennedy Brooks is a, an interesting back because he's not like Le'Veon Bell patient, like because that's absurd. 
But like with the amount that uh, Oklahoma polls, you have to be patient and you have to be intentional as a running back because you've got to understand that you've got to let those big boys pull from one side of the offensive line to the other. And and Kennedy Brooks is really good at doing that. Um, he just kind of glides. He just kind of moves down the field towards the end zone on some of those long runs. He It's a very like gradual and consistent acceleration. He's not a, a sudden and violent runner. That's not the way I characterize him. I characterize him as a guy who just kind of like ramps up from zero to 60 and suddenly he's at his top speed and you're like, wait, when did that happen? And he's gone. Shout out to Le'Veon Bell. He was so plotting, it was almost entertaining, which therefore sort of made Michigan State's offense entertaining once upon a time. You can fight me because I said that, Spencer Hall. Um, the rest of this was, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't need words in English to describe the rest of this. Um, Iowa is going to go to t- Northwestern, and uh, Bud, what's, what's the lowest over-under you would take on that game? Uh, well, I can actually tell you. Give me uh, a couple clicks here. See, I make a joke. He gives you facts. Uh, what, what can we talk about? Iowa Northwestern. I I made it thirty-seven. All right, so I would like to take like under forty-two. I I would I would but, have, but like, I would have gone with thirteen, honestly. If especially if the weather's bad. The number is thirty-seven and a half. So I have not bet it because that's only a half point of value. That's not enough for a wager. Um, <laughs> Um, hey, he don't he don't dabble with that small time shit. Northwestern, um, by the way, is kind of a popular underdog pick this week, and I don't really know why, except Iowa doesn't score. I don't see that at all. Uh, okay, but I got a question for you. Uh, who was assier last week? Texas A and M in a win in Oxford, where they basically needed like a brain fart fumble re- uh, recovery for a touchdown to seal it, or just Mississippi State not doing anything against LS, just just being bleh. I think Mississippi State, just because they really didn't put up a fight. Yeah, I was going to go Mississippi State as well. Yeah, I think it's Mississippi State, not by a large margin, though. I mean, they were outgained before garbage time by 114% of play. So, you know, circle gets the square there. Uh, Can you explain that one more time, bud? So LSU outgained Mississippi State by 114%. How did exactly uh, explain a little bit? Walk that out. Explain the badness. Sure. So anytime, like I, I do our every game reviewed feature on Reddit every week. And you, if you had missed a game and you wanted to know like why the game ended up as it did, uh, I basically look for key stat. Like I look for key stats until I'm like, all right, this explains it. I'm going to move on to the next one. Anytime I find a game in which an opponent outgains the other by like really anything more than like 70% per play, but especially 100%, I just stop there. That is just an absolute ass beating. Um, and I mean, you're talking about. Like, for instance, that's like 7.75 against 3.5 on, on a yards per play basis. You know, if, if everybody gets, you know, 75 plays and you're at like a 200, you're out gaining them by like 250 yards. I, I look at it more as a percentage basis because I, I think it makes more sense to me. But 114 is, that's domination. That That's like beating down a Sunbelt team. Um, before we get out of the morning, and I, I think the pick, by the way, is in terms of viewability, I'd park it on Wisconsin and Ohio State, see what those first couple drives on offense look like for Wisconsin. If they can move the ball, then maybe we're going to have a fun little affair here. Or, conversely, I think if Wisconsin gets a stop on defense and, and Ohio State isn't just chunk, 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 hey, you could have something fun for two or three quarters. Um, flip over, check out A&M and Mississippi State because I think they're bizarrely matched in these 
in this situation and it's always fun to watch the sec west shake out because the bottom the, you know the world is always ending for the bottom two teams in the sec west so we're going to get closer to the deter- the determination there uh spoiler alert it's going to be arkansas they're horrific uh however one last thing i want to mention liberty and Rutgers is a football game that's being played uh, we talked a lot about Rutgers and the coaching situation on the coaching show, which you should have listened to. And if you don't, I'm personally ashamed of you, uh, you listening that didn't that skipped over the show because you've had to have skipped it to listen to Richard and I to listen to this show. However, y'all, if Hugh Freeze wins this game, his name's going to start popping back up. He's going to win this game. I know he's going to win this game, and he's going to be able to say, I beat a P5 team in my first year as head coach when I was at Liberty. And all of those things are true. This is this is something that's going to happen. I don't want to talk about the game. I don't really understand the game. I don't know why Rutgers scheduled it. But this thing is going to happen. This thing is absolutely going to happen. You know what else is going to happen, bud? What? Commercials. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, guys, we're going to do a quick, uh, we're going to side road, a frontage road, if you live in the South, like I do. Uh, on the frontage road, if you did listen to the coaching show like you were supposed to, Richard and I punted on talking about Florida State until we had Bud here. We have Bud here. So before we get into the afternoon slate, uh, Bud, can you give us a little separation of fact and fiction right now with Willie Taggart? I don't think it's as cut and dry as saying, hey, he's got a big buyout. They're not going to fire him this year. Is it? It, it, it's not um, now. If he goes and, and, and he if he goes like seven and five or something, I, I think it very much is. Um, but if if he fails to make a bowl um, in a year in which their schedule is is pretty easy, um, that would really show almost no improvement. He's also done a really quick job at pissing off a lot of important people at Florida State it, a lot quicker than I thought was possible um, with some internal program mismanagement with uh, interfering with Kendall Brown's offense, who the big boosters just paid a million bucks to come in at his request, right? Like that's the guy that they focused on, that they, they zeroed in on would help fix the offense. Now he's meddling in that, which additionally, uh, he's still really badly mismanaging in-game situations and the important people want him to be the CEO coach. That was the plan in the off season. And if you're meddling in play calling and the offense and you're screwing up things like having to take two special teams timeouts in the second half against Wake Forest, which is, again, a problem that that's happened in four other games where, where, where you've botched special team situations because your guys are not ready to go out on the field. It ended up really costing them uh, in this game. Yeah, uh, 
internal mismanagement, game mismanagement, and uh, messing with the offense when you're supposed to be hands-off now. If Willie Taggart misses a bowl, I, I, I think people might be mad enough to, to get the money together for this buyout. But I know it's only two years. In talking about the Knowles, they're currently three and four. We're going to talk about the Syracuse game in a second. They finish out with the following, just in case you don't know. They're home for Syracuse this weekend. It's homecoming. The big one in a lot of ways, not necessarily in football ways, but for these two programs, they play Miami on November 2nd. That will might even be a primetime game. Uh, then they're at BC. They're home for Alabama State. And then the bye week in the Gators. What's realistic here? I've got them six and six. Um, okay. I think that's the most realistic outcome. Um, I think five and seven is more likely than seven and five, but like I wouldn't, you know, say it's a, a ton more likely than seven and five, right? It's probably what 60 40. I would like if you, to, if you were to do a split. I want to point one thing out, and it's kind of apropos of nothing, at least in terms of, of hard stats and context, but. Syracuse was the game in which Willie Taggart saved his job before when he was at South Florida. Ironically, he saved his job that week. And this, I can't remember what year this was off the top of my head. I want to say it was 2013, maybe. No, it would have been later than that. Anyway, he was about to have it all fall apart at South Florida. They went into the Syracuse week and they won the game. They won the game because he let the players run ostensibly what was the Kendall and Art Bryles offense and took all of the power, all of the hardball, all the two tight end out of there. It's going to be a really interesting week. I'll say that. Richard, would you like to jump on the corpse of Florida State right now? No, because I'm not sure it's a corpse yet. Okay. Um, I am, I, you know, I'm not sure it's a corpse yet. I think that there are some structural issues with admit game administration. Like Bud said, um, that is ugly. There are also some issues with like Kendall Browse's offense should be a lot more add water instant offense than it is right now. And now Bud, Bud can probably speak to this, but is the offensive line situation like, where is that at right now, I guess is what I should ask. Because last year, Syracuse was able to make this team look like they were a daggum FCS team. Right. Uh, so last year, I think if you combine all the different O-line ratings, they were like 124th. This year, they're like 110th, I think. So they've made some improvement. We told people this is a four-year rebuild on the O-line. Year one, like god-awful. Year two, bad. Year three, which would be next year, below average. I think by year four, they could be above average. But they don't have players on, on the roster who are a, a fix. And Willie made a major tactical error in, in not bringing in more transfer bodies to try and throw at the problem. And yeah. what I was told by guys on the staff was they're not Florida State quality guys out there. However, they miscalculated what a Florida State quality guy was relative to the current situation. Uh, and I think they put too much blame on the former offensive line coach who got fired uh, for his inability to make the guys on the roster play well, when in fact some of those guys just don't have a – ACC caliber talent, much less Florida State caliber talent. Now, I will say this real quick. I would not fire Willie this year. All right. Why? I think there are some, because A, I, I do think that the O line's been a major hindrance. Um, now, the offense has gotten worse as Willie has become more involved. That's real clear. But also the APR issue and the recruiting issue, he has a really good class together right now. It's like a top 15 class, I think, still, uh, despite how they're playing on the field. I don't think you want to have two out of three classes, you know, which would be uh, 18, 19, 20, 
18 and 20 here, be classes where you have basically a transitional class with the early signing period error. That's not a good recipe for success for whomever the next guy is. So I, I, would, I would keep Willie Taggart for 2020. It's not like you have any realistic expectations of winning that division in 2020 anyway with you know junior year Trevor Lawrence there at Clemson. <laughs> um, let me just being honest here. Uh, and I also think the buyout is uh, is still, I mean, it's really high. It's $17 million payable over four years. They could use that money for for other things, right? That's not mm-hmm. that's not putting a building down. It's going to stand for twenty you know twenty years. That's paying somebody not to work, and they don't have an obvious candidate lined up either. This Urban Meyer stuff, I will confirm, is total bullshit. So there it like, is. If you're yeah. in the if you're in the mood to fire Willie Taggart, you're looking at like a Mark Stoops. I'm just being honest with you. That's exciting. Uh, that's I mean, my like, point. Mark yeah. Stoops literally lost to Florida. Because twice in a game, he only had 10 players on the field on defense, which is the side of the ball he coaches. You love to see it. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's get this out of the sunshine state for a second. Back to the tasting menu. Uh, one o'clock. Hey, guess what? I do research for the show, too. I found out that ATTRM stands for AT&T Rocky Mountain. That's what I do. It's wow. Called, it's investigative journalism. Well, Take a I note. I learned something today. Take a note. One o'clock central. for that. damn it bud got me uh there will be an expense report for that uh nevada at wyoming one o'clock um i gotta compose myself ohio goes to ball state on espn plus facebook slash stadium slash you're really putting a lot of effort in to watch this game western kentucky goes to marshall 230 on the pac-12 network that's arizona and stanford Auburn goes to LSU on the CBS game, also at 2.30. And then here's the rest of your 2.30 slot very quickly. NFL Network has FIU at MTSU. Indiana goes to Nebraska on the Big Ten Network. ESPN has Maryland and Minnesota. Oklahoma State goes to Iowa State on FS1. Penn State goes to Michigan State on ABC. The aforementioned Knowles of Florida State hosts Syracuse for homecoming. That's another 2.30 game. That's going to be, uh, depending, that's one of the regional breakdowns. So it's, it's ESPN2, but it could also be... Uh, I don't know. I mean, check your local listings. Fox has Texas at TCU. Two lanes at Navy on CBS Sports Network. UConn is at UMass. Nesson. Be there. Absolutely not. Be there, Yankee. Make a candle and watch Ten this point game. Ten-point favorites? Make, <laughs> enjoy, a, enjoy a wicker rocking chair and apple cider. Um, that is stunning. Mm, God, it's something. Virginia's at Louisville, also at 2.30 still, uh, ESPN3. Central Michigan at Buffalo, ESPN+. Plus. These are all ESPN Plus games. Eastern Michigan at Toledo, uh, FAU at Old Dominion. Miami of Ohio is at Kent State. By the way, y'all, the MAC is such a mess. Uh, ESPN How Plus. many afternoon games are there? Jesus. Hey, man, I'm just going by the schedule. Just don't blame me. Blame LSUfootball.net. Miami, Ohio is at Kent State. North Texas is at Charlotte. This is a sloppy, sloppy tasting menu. Uh, North Texas at Charlotte. South Florida is at East Carolina. We're only at 245, y'all. Jesus. I'm telling you. It's just crazy. It's just crazy. We're moving to 3 o'clock. Dukes at North Carolina. The Battle of Tobacco Road on the ACC Regional Sports Network. It's probably on, like, your My 30 channel. Uh, South Carolina, 3 o'clock. They go to Tennessee. I said, that's a big one. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, Hawaii goes to New Mexico, also on Facebook. But if you're in Hawaii, it's on pay-per-view. Um, We'll take a breath there. That's your very crowded afternoon in terms of volume. Now, gentlemen, let's go find us some quality. We've talked at length about Florida State. So, Auburn and LSU. Richard, Auburn, 
Six and like, one, right? Six and one, yeah. right? I mean, I, I, I'm gonna not, I'm not gonna lie. When I looked and saw Auburn was six and one, I, I literally was like, huh? Oh yeah, they're six and one. Like I, like I, I just feel like it's so. I don't want to use the word miserable over there, but I feel like it doesn't seem like this is a six and one team with a very, very good defense, arguably the best defensive line in the country. Um, you know, it doesn't feel like a six and one team. Now that's what happens when you have two playoff teams in your division. I get it, but come on, let's be happy about Auburn. Come on. Uh, Bud, um, <clears throat> I'm all about an identifiable matchup because I'm a lazy sports writer. And back when I used to have to write leads in second paragraphs really fast, you just, you want the identifiable narrative, pretty identifiable narrative here, which is LSU's defense needs to get healthier. They're playing against Gus Malzahn, a freshman quarterback. One of these things will create a narrative. Get right game. Yeah. Like, look, I, I, I took some heat from Tiger Nation, the LSU Tiger Nation, not Auburn, uh, for criticizing LSU's defense. But I think there's room for improvement. And if you take LSU's offense and you pair it with a defense that's maybe like a top 20 defense as opposed to like a top 35-ish defense, then we're talking like national championship ring potential. So Tiger fans, LSU Tiger fans, that's for you there. Uh, this is the best defense LSU's played, right? Um, f- yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. it is. Especially yeah. without Grenard and Zuniga. Yes. yes. Yeah, that's fine. I like, they'll be able to get a pass rush, I think, on LSU and drop seven. I, it's not For me, it's not even the pass rush. For me, it's it's what they can do against a run. I'm not gonna sit. I'm not gonna sit here and say Joe Burrow's gonna get tested. That's that's not what I mean. I mean if if this thing gets into like really really obvious passing situations, let's see how Joe Burrow continues to evolve and continues to handle these situations. I'm not I'm not espousing skepticism because I don't think he can handle it. I'm more talking about this as a neutral observer, saying I'm really excited to see how LSU's passing game handles that, and that is still the incredible thing the statement that it is given what lsu has done forever lots to jump around in the afternoon slot i just want to briefly mention our friends at home field who are advertisers on this program they are those poor boys they're indiana football fans they make a lot of indiana clothing they are hashtag nine windianas right now i think i butchered that but basically they believe they believe in young tom allen they believe in the power of hoosier football if you do believe in the power of Hoosier football, best to be beaten Nebraska in Lincoln because you know what? Absent of advanced stats, absent of anything relative to whatever the hell Nebraska is in 2019, that means a whole damn lot when Indiana goes into Nebraska and wins a football game. Not saying it's going to happen, saying it could be absolutely massive on a day in which a million other important things are happening. So shout out there. Bud, I'm going to jump and uh, go back to your never-ending quest to figure out who the hell occupies the upper middle class of the Big 12. We have Oklahoma State and Iowa State. Are you back on Iowa State? I think we're very confident in booting Texas out of those top top three spots for sure. Yeah, they right? suck. Like it's, it's Baylor and Iowa State or Iowa State and Baylor in some order, right? Like Baylor got the dub over Iowa State by, what, two points, I think. Right. In in Waco, if you, if you change where that game's played, then we're probably talking about Iowa State for the number two team. They've both been really impressive of late. Oklahoma State, by the way, not really a lock for a bowl. Uh, that was another game where if you strip out the garbage time and the kneel downs, they were outgained by 100% per play. That that Baylor-Oklahoma State score was not as close 
as 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 the game was actually played. I think we are going. I think we are bullet training toward a a Big Twelve second place tiebreaker that is going to knock your socks off, folks. Um, real quick, who else are you putting in there? Then this is I'm, I'm, this is pretty interesting. No, yeah, go ahead. Or are you saying Oklahoma loses one regular season? No, no, no. For second place, a second place tiebreaker to get in the championship game. So if but. Baylor already has the tiebreak over Iowa State. So are we talking about a three-way? Yeah, because I'm not I, like I like Baylor. I think Baylor's pretty good, but I like this. This feels like some shit where we sit here and say Texas isn't that good, all that kind of stuff, and then on November 23rd, Tom oh. Herman brings in the underdogs and they wreak some havoc here, and then and throws this whole deal into flux, and then we've got Nouveau Riche, Kansas our friends with the new offense at Kansas that showed that they can put some points up. That's the, uh, that is, I believe the season finale for Baylor. I'm saying like, I think Baylor's pretty good too, but not so good at this point in time that, that I'm confident saying that they can't, can't come back to the pack. I should say, unfortunately. Okay. All right. Uh, bud Penn state gets Michigan state off of a buy. That should not matter. That should not matter. You guys want to talk about uh, the history of the Penn State-Michigan State rivalry recently? <laughs> it's really, it's uh, it, us. It, it's Michigan very State scary. has given them some fits. Let's pull up Penn State, Michigan State. All right. Sorry about that. Typing. Let's pull up but, Penn State. But using State a uh, computer keyboard from 1988. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's, it's got good tactile feedback. Um, yeah, this, this recently has been uh, – Real, real tight. So uh, last year, uh, well, excuse me, I was looking at 1914 in which Michigan State, uh, I scrolled to the bottom, and that's actually the oldest game. Uh, Michigan State did beat them in Happy Valley 3-6 to six, uh, in 1914. But um, <laughs> if you go to most recently here, uh, when did when did Franklin get to uh, – when did Franklin get to Penn State? 14? 15? 13? <laughs> okay. So I'm pretty sure right. D'Antonio is four and one against them. Remember, Last guys, year, remember, guys, at Banner Society, this is the most this is the smart podcast, not the dumb one where they make the stupid jokes. Um James Franklin left Vanderbilt following the 2013 season. Okay. So D'Antonio is four and one against James Franklin. 34 to 10 and 14. Holy shit, 50, that's like a bar bet. Yeah. 55 to 16 in 15. Franklin got him back in 16, 45, 12 in State College. Uh, and then two years ago, Michigan State beat him by a field goal. And then last year, uh, again, Michigan State got him by four. Michigan State has really given the Penn State offense under Franklin fits. They've held him to 17, 24, 16, and 10. And then there was the outburst for 45 in 2016. For whatever reason, Penn State doesn't seem to score on Michigan State. And if you don't score, you can't feel real comfortable about the game. And if, Michigan State's off a bye. You're this bear, is the you're, third tough game in a row for Penn State. You are way more. You're way more bearish on this than I am. I like. Look, man. If Penn State scores 28 points, they're gonna win this game because I I liked what Penn State was able to do on defense against Michigan. Um, they're aggressive. They're fast. They absolutely fly around, and I think they are too fast for Michigan State. All right. Uh, I, I do think their big play approach fits well against a Michigan State defense that does not allow you to go on like slow drives against them. You usually have to hit explosive plays if you want to beat them. So stylistically, 
I would agree with you in theory. The problem is, for whatever reason, Michigan State just – they always seem to give these guys trouble. Yeah, Michigan uh, State – I will say Michigan State needs this game to stay on a very certain script more than I think Penn State does. You know what this line is? Give it to me. Six. Mm. That's uh, anxiety. Not Richard, like fire anxiety, but, you know. Richard, you live in New York City, but you live – very very far in, in the in florida where all all you people do is like sunburn and salt fish and stuff i'm a nerd do you actually know where i live in florida orlando um <laughs> i mean i'll dox you if you want um no no, no I, just, I wasn't sure all right yeah i thought you were well, thing, the, you move addresses every six months don't act like i'm not a good friend and so the feds can't get it baby no kidding that's good you got a fresh llc's with a new address anyway the point is this bud you live in florida Richard's in in Brooklyn being cool, and I'm a nerd, so none of us are deer hunters. But here's what I do know about deer hunting, because I went to school in Mississippi, and I know a lot of people who do this. When male deer get horny, which is around hunting season, they become the dumbest, most annoying creatures on earth. And I'm just waiting for my two two co-hosts to figure out where I'm going with this. Oftentimes, you'll see the bucks... Literally on the side of the interstate, as as a ton of stimuli, traffic, dangerous things is zipping by. But they're they're mad and horny, and they're just banging their heads in, into each other. Okay, are you going South Carolina to Tennessee, ladies and gentlemen? South Carolina is <laughs> going to Tennessee. Imagine two big, dumb. I don't know how horny they are. I, I'm not really trying to go there. But just imagine just a lot of hollering and two idiots that should just basically call the game off, meet at midfield, and just ram each other in the head. That's what they want to do. Buddy, let's not discount the matchup for fourth and fifth place in the SEC East. So this game is impossible to prognosticate. And I don't give a shit that South Carolina beat Georgia because South Carolina just let Georgia do dumber things. That was a battle of drunken hunters to figure out who was going to shoot more toes off. All right? I am for the second week in a row. You know what? I'm, I'm cutting this. For the second week in a row, I'm talking myself into Tennessee, and I won't be talked off. Oh, God. Tennessee's going to win this game. Is this Illinois energy that you're applying to Tennessee? Tennessee going to win this game. Tennessee needs to win this game to not go 4-8. and eight. Big, dumb, horny foreheads. All right? Just- I, I, I'll tell you this. I think that Tennessee, honestly, and really enjoy my defense, what Tennessee was able to do against Alabama, and I will actually talk about this a little bit when we get to Alabama, but for all of Tennessee's faults, that defense plays really stinking hard, and Jeremy Pruitt simulates some really cool pressures. And I think that they can really get to Helinski in this game. Helinski, and especially particularly uh, throwing the deep ball against Florida on Saturday, and I know the weather sucked, but Helinski was not good throwing the deep ball. So I don't think South Carolina is going to take the top off this defense. Okay. Bud? Would you like to make a pick in the big dumb forehead contest? Uh I, I'm not quite in on Tennessee as Richard is. I I think it's promising that they have not quit on Jeremy Pruitt. I think he is a really good defensive coach. I'm not sure that he's actually a good head coach. In fact, I'm leaning towards not being good. Oh no, no, no. Uh, he sucks. I mean, like our referendum is <laughs> like he sucks. He's the most he's the most Saban of Saban assistants. Like this this when this does fail, it will be in a spectacular fashion, bud. My question is, don't you think that if he wins this game, combined with beating Mississippi State and the sheer amount of money that's involved with Tennessee, like they're riding into 2020 with this dude. There's no Hell way they're firing him anyway. Yeah. Like, isn't Tennessee kind of broke? Like, they, they're paying like a million. Aren't they still paying Dooley? 
They're, they they, they, they so owe, many buyouts. Uh, we did this on yesterday's show. They owe eight to Butch until Butch takes a new job. Eight. Which might be a while, right, for Butch? Potentially. It could, it could be now that voids if Butch takes any job. It could be like you know Butch takes like the uh, uh, a G five job, gotcha. or but I mean here's the deal: if you're Butch Jones, just to to move away from big dumb forehead, oh, I feel like we gave that enough analysis. Uh, Butch could sit out another year, stay in the Saban system, get the benefits of the Saban system. He's also a Jimmy Sexton client, I might add. And then go get the right P five job. I mean, why why are you gonna overextend yourself to hustle for Rutgers? You know, I'm not saying he doesn't end up with that job. We're, we're still holding our cards. Richard and I are both betting it's Greg Schiano. Um, Tennessee's hanging on to Jeremy Pruitt. If they win this game, as someone who lives in the state, uh, this is gonna be he's got it turned around and he's got this whole problem fixed. Which oh, I can't wait. Hey, look, man. There's oh, not, I look, y'all. Wait. Look, I can say this to a Gator. I can say this to a Noel. There is nothing better, nothing better on earth than confident Tennessee. Oh, yeah. I was there in 2012. Feels like 98. In 2012, I went to the Florida-Tennessee game. They had college game day there. Oh, it was glorious. Confident Tennessee is a vintage I have not sniffed in a while. Now, I want to touch one more game, and then I'm surprised both of you with a horrific, evil thing that I can do because it's my podcast. Uh, First, Duke, North Carolina. This is a value game. This is a watchable game. I'm going to go ahead and declare a total buffet for the afternoon because there's so much volume here. I personally am just going to start Auburn LSU. But Duke, North Carolina is like one of those low radar games I want to check out. Um, I'm also, Bud has sold me, by the way, on some sort of Penn State disaster happening in East Lansing. So I'm going to put that into my, my viewing rotation as well. Duke, North Carolina, somebody tell me something interesting about this game because I feel like we've stumbled onto something, Bud. All right, so... Uh... The reason I bet UVA last week over Duke, which worked out even better than I thought it was going to, uh, was because Duke's offense right now is just smoke and mirrors. David Cutcliffe is trying to do a really good job. They do miss Daniel Jones a whole lot. They're really Buddy, not a good a offense. Sense. Yeah. <laughs> they had seven turnovers in the first three quarters, I believe, against uh, against UVA, which was an issue. Uh, but I was like, okay, UVA's defense is really disciplined. They're not going to fall for all the misdirection and trickery stuff. UNC's defense – not as disciplined. I do like Jay Bateman a lot, but it's it's year one there. So Duke, I think, will have a lot more success on offense against UNC than it did against UVA. And UNC on offense is kind of like exciting, chaotic, I guess we could say. So that that could be an entertaining game. It also starts at three, which is kind of cool. Like, you know, if some of the other games aren't any good, you can watch it for a while until the night games start. Three central time. Don't be, don't oh. be. Oh, shoot. Why don't, don't we be moved. correct this? Gentlemen. I'm going to put a macro in here that basically you see how, an hour Exactly. You see how he's skipping over and just moving on. Uh, yeah, I, I got final cut. Uh, I have a game. Let's play a game. Let's play a game. It's called Tell Me Everything You Know About the Mac. And it's designed basically to show that even those of us professionally have no idea what the hell is going on in the Mac right now. Can you guys tell me who's leading the divisions at the moment? Oh. Can you start Ball in the state. Ball State in the West? Bud, point for Bud. Ball State is leading a division. Okay, now, I've actually had to watch Ball State for some weird reasons this year. I bet um, you have. Ball State has a competent, up-tempo offense. Don't kink shame. And with everybody else, like, in the division falling, like Toledo. Have you guys seen Toledo has been my most disappointing team of the week for that feature? Two say, weeks in Toledo a row? Like, or uh, Toledo, like, the worst team in the country? Spoiling, he's he's he really is spoiling the shit out of these questions. Um, in the last we'll get to weeks, Toledo in a yes. second. Richard, for a point, 
Can you name one of the teams in the three-way tie in the East for first place? Oh, it's a three-way tie. Um, he gets a full point for naming one of three teams. There's I, only six teams in the division. This is a coin flip. Oh my God, who does who does your boy coach that you did the uh, that you did the offseason? <laughs> what's so pathetic is I did. Here's what's so pathetic. <laughs> You're the new co-host. I did four interviews. You can't remember one of four <laughs> fucking names. Kent State and Sean Lewis are a part of the like three-way tie. Kent State, Ohio, and Miami. Um, Bud, uh, he kind of spoiled the question, so Bud's automatically going to get this point. Can you tell me Toledo's record, Bud? Overall. They started out okay. They, they actually beat BYU, and I think they beat Eastern or Central, one of the two. Uh, they, I think they have three losses. I would say I they do. They're four and three. They're also in next to last. They're they're in a tie for last place in the West with Eastern Michigan and Northern Illinois at one and two. Now the reason I point all this out is a couple things. One, the job that was supposed to open was Ball State. <clears throat> the job that was supposed to push the Mac coach into the P five job was Jason Candle in Toledo. All right. Kent State is one of the worst programs in the country. They're tied for first place. They're three and four. And by the way, they have losses to teams like Auburn and Wisconsin. Okay. I think the, Toledo's fixing games. The only Jesus. Right. No, I'm serious. Like, like I I don't know specific <laughs> players, but dude, they, you, you don't start out four and one and then and then be favored by twenty seven over bowling green and have I four special dying. teams turnovers in the first half and lose by thirteen. And then this weekend. They only had 24 yards of offense in the first half, and they got out, they got outgained in the first half, 377 to 24. Like, I don't know what happened in that locker room or who owes somebody money, but like they are not trying in the first half of these games. It's not even close. Oh it, man, it's ridiculous. And I know they had a quarterback injury, but a quarterback injury does not explain that. Gentlemen, uh, loser has to buy me dinner at the next uh, summit, so I win regardless. Uh, gentlemen, make your pick for Mac Champion 2019. I would like to point out, by the way, that um, every team has at least three losses. The only reliable entity here is that Akron, with a first-year head coach and a terrible roster, is 0-7 and 0-3 in conference play. Pretty much everything else is in complete and total disarray. So, you have as much of a chance of, of picking a fourth or a fifth-place team currently in one of these divisions to win the whole damn thing as we go down the stretch. Bud... Your pick for Mac Champion. Just because I've watched him, I'm going to go Ball State. All right. Richard. Uh, I'm going to go the fighting Jim McElwain's at Central Michigan because they have twice this season won me money. All right. So you both are picking West Division teams. And so I will know who's buying me dinner based off of the fact that one of these teams will win the West and go to the Mac Championship. All right. Has Ball State played Central yet? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, let me check and see if that massive showdown has occurred. I No, only... it's, it, it's November 16th. So that, that, that will be the day. Circle the date. <clears throat> Loser buys me food. Um, here's the deal. I am not trying to be excessively glib about the Mac as we are proponents of the G5 life here. However, this is especially messy. This is something I would actually like to take an educated eye in the offseason and figure out, is this a trend? Are we starting something new at the Mac? Is it just hiccups relative to a couple of new coaches coming in? Or has the anonymity of this conference, program to program, finally bled into where everyone's this sort of mash of 500? It's going to make there for some fun Tuesday nights. Yeah. It's because they took them off Tuesday nights? You know what? That's a fair assessment. Gentlemen, we have to go to the evening. We have to. 
Uh, ESPN. Let's start there. How's that? Arkansas goes to Alabama. Jesus. Yeah. Woo. Here's a football game. Even without Tua. Even without Tua. Still horrific. And that, I mean, there's nothing else you can say about the quality of a program when their superstar Heisman candidate quarterback goes down and you're still predicting a 30-plus win. All right. Memphis goes to Tulsa on CBS Sports Network. Texas Tech goes to Kansas on FS1. Uh, ESPN2 has UCF at Temple. Texas State is at Arkansas State on Plus. Troy is at Georgia State on Plus. Arizona State is at UCLA at 6.30 on the Pac-12 network. Also at 6.30 on ACC network, excuse me, is Boston College at Clemson. Could be another murder, by the way. Colorado State goes to Fresno State on ESPNU. Uh, Missouri is at Kentucky. Notre Dame is at Michigan. I don't know. You don't have to watch that. Uh, (laughs) Moving to 7 o'clock, La Tech, Louisiana Tech. One loss, Louisiana Tech. They haven't really played anybody, and they're at UTEP, so they still really haven't played anybody. Um, let's stop there because the drunk has four games, which is more than usual. Um, all right, guys. You get 60 seconds. I don't care which one of you it is. Tell me something about Michigan and Notre Dame that's worth watching. Uh, Notre Dame's favorite. Uh, I, look, I, I'm going to be honest with you. When I think, when I have, as I've thought about Michigan in my head the entire season, I did not factor in the fact that they were playing Notre Dame. Wow. I was like, it, between Wisconsin and Ohio State, I didn't, I thought there was just Penn State and no other opponent of any, you know, uh, so to speak, or anything to speak of. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, this is going to be a 28 24 game. I, I don't know who's going to win this game. I don't really have a pick. I'm just going to watch it for whatever it is. I mean, uh, Michigan had one good quarter against Penn State. One good quarter. That's about a minute, but let's talk about something more cool. Um, You uh, have stressed here that Texas Tech needs the Kansas game to make a bowl in Matt Wells' first year. Is that... Is that emphasis and stress of sort of needing to win this game, even though it's at Lawrence and that should have been a cakewalk, is this based off of what they did against Texas or... A lot of it's just I looked at what their current record was. So they are uh, three and four, and then they their remaining games after this are at West Virginia, host TCU, host Kansas State, and at Texas. So if you don't win this, then you have to go three and four in that stretch, which I don't think is all that likely. So right. if you get the win you're supposed to get here, then you get your four wins, and then you split the last two, uh, two of which you'll be favored in probably, I would think, uh, and then you get to six and six. Richard, who is Kenneth Gainwell? Kenneth Gainwell is the player that you should be paying attention to. Look, Memphis is just like churning out running backs, you know, putting putting the Memphis stamp on them and churning them out in that program. He's a freshman. Um, when he is, he's not all their offense. They got a pretty good receiver, but I mean, he's he's like two thirds of it. I mean, this guy is he is nominally a running back, but. Running back, catching stuff out of the backfield. They line him up in the slot sometimes. He had a, like, literally a laughable back shoulder catch uh, last week against, uh, who was it? They beat, they beat Tulane last week. Yeah. Um, Gainwell, when he runs, he it's funny because he's got that Saquon, like, I'm falling forward kind of running style. Yeah. And he's got, like, a disproportionate bigger a disproportionate lower body to his kind of upper body. He's kind of svelte upstairs, but but he's got some thighs on him. Um, he's fun. He's a really fun player. Watch, watch Memphis for him. Uh, By the way, Godfrey. Yes. uh, If we're going to shame Richard for not knowing Sean Lewis and listening to an interview, I actually mentioned Kenneth Gainwell 
uh, three weeks ago after he torched Louisiana Monroe. No, I know that. So we got to stand up for, it, for the co-host here. It, it's just a po- it's like a podcast transition. I mean, we all know who Gainwell is. Okay. Yeah, I was just, you know, I was educated. It's okay. <laughs> We're going to leave this part in, too. Gentlemen, uh, I'm just curious. This is not like a picket and that kind of nonsense talk radio bit, but I think now that I've bought into the SMU thing because it's fun, but I still think Memphis might be the best team in the conference. I don't. I mean, I I don't know if y'all feel the same way, but I I feel like Memphis is the more talented team, and I really wanted to ride for Cincinnati, but Memphis, especially after last week, I feel like is potentially more explosive. I don't know if Memphis. I like. I don't know if Memphis is. They're they're like they're differently explosive than SMU. It's it's a different kind of explosive play. Um, All right, take me through that. I I just think that well, you just know what SMU is going to do. Like, you know, yeah. SMU's going to, you know, at their best or what they want to do is is air raidish type stuff where yeah. where Memphis can and would like to, you know, run the ball at times. Uh, still, still, you know, still riding, even though that even though Cal embarrassed itself last week, still riding for the world's greatest divorce between Sunny Dykes and California. Um, one thing I want to note before we get into bigger games, uh, Georgia State is playing Troy. Troy, uh, first year coach Chip Lindsley. um, kind of getting their sea legs they're doing I, I they're doing well for having a first year head coach neil brown would be the first guy to tell you man delicate roster management situation okay georgia state is five and two georgia state beat army last week in atlanta they beat tennessee we talked all about that it was a huge upset they have they have acquitted themselves pretty well since then there's a three-point loss at Texas State that they'd like back, and they got smoked by Western Michigan. But when it counts and where it matters in the Sun Belt, we're starting to see the function of the promise, which was we're a, we are a FBS program in Atlanta. We're going to take the Braves' old stadium, retrofit it, so automatically we're going to have a bigger, nicer facility than most of our peers in our conference, and we're going to get out into the Atlanta area and start scooping up some of this talent before it leaves for smaller schools and further, you know, colder areas. This thing's kind of starting to work, and I'm convinced only because they beat an Arkansas State. They won on the road at Coastal. They beat Army at home, and Army's got some problems right now. But this Troy game with a 500 team, just want to shout out Georgia State for a second. I don't think they're better than App. They're certainly not better than App. But I do think they could go down the stretch and they could be Georgia Southern this year and have a really, really nice season that had a hell of a lot more to do with a program on the rise than just, oh, we upset Tennessee and it gets to be funny for five seconds. Now, either one of you wants to take me to a more interesting place. How bad is Clemson going to beat Boston College, bud? Well, BC has a backup quarterback who is not as bad as I thought he was. Their offense exploded against NC State. Shockingly here, Richard, we've been on this for a while, NC State's offensive coaching is a disaster. They did not replace Eli Drinkwitz appropriately. Uh, I think they held what what they hold uh, NC State to like twenty three. Um, that was Boston College. Their defense is still real bad. I think I just think that was NC State incompetence mostly. Uh, Clemson, by the way, outgained. Um, they outgained Louisville by. Uh, they outgained Louisville by 140% on a yards per play basis before garbage time. And yet Jesus. we have all this national narrative stuff about how Clemson's struggling. And they probably I mean, threw two threw picks a, he, in the end zone. He, I literally was just about to say that. You throw picks in the end zone, and that looks a little bit better than it actually was. Um, yeah. I would like to go to UCF and Temple. Uh, are you off the Temple train now, Richard? 
Uh, I don't know if I'm off it. I'm off it. I'm off the Temple train against specific teams that are going to do what UCF and SMU want to do. Dude, Temple was absolutely scorched in man coverage on Saturday. I mean, there's okay. no other way to there's no other way to put it. Um, I will say this. For UCF, I think the UCF needs to be mindful to score from outside of the red zone. Score on some explosive plays. Because if you get, like, low red zone against Temple, you're not scoring. You're not scoring. You're not scoring touchdowns, at least. But, be that as it may, UCF, I think, should roll in this game. I think they have the athletes to just run away from Temple. Uh, Richard, prove to me why I don't run a tight ship or a disciplined outfit on this podcast. And uh, please tell me who your minority coordinator of the week is. Yeah, baby. Um, Again, minority coordinator to watch of the week is not necessarily the best minority coordinator. It's the coordinator in an interesting schematic spot. Every yeah, yeah, week. Yeah. Now, wrong qualifier. Tell everybody who you made your minority coordinator of the week, Richard. Uh, I'm going to go John Chavis, uh, minority coordinator of the week at uh, at Arkansas as they host the Alabama Crimson Tide. Would you, um, like, would you like to explain how you got John Chavis to this status? I would like to. Uh, I mean, he, all, would, he might like to for a tax reason or something. Uh, also, first of all, John Chavis, the chief as they call him, uh, is Native American. His um, his mother is Cherokee and his father is Lumbee, uh, Native American, indigenous, um, the nomenclature there. Count um, it. We'll count it. We are counting it. Um, look, Arkansas, the the if two was in this game, I would call this a light scrimmage for Alabama. Yeah. Because Tua is not in the game, I think that, first of all, I think Arkansas can cover here for a couple reasons. I think Alabama's going to go ground and pound, a little bit more ground and pound than they otherwise would, because I think you just want to and are able to take the ball to Mac Jones's hand, just run the ball, run over him, get into the bye week, and and we'll see you, we'll see you for LSU in two weeks. Um, but I think about this. If you watched any of the Monday Night Football game against uh, the Jets and the Patriots, and yes. yes, I'm about to compare the Arkansas Razorbacks to the New England Patriots. I'll get there. Go on. What the Pats were able to do is basically, in in very literal terms, blitz the shit out of Sam Darnold. Um, they were able to, the, the thing you may have seen on social media was Sam Darnold saying, I'm seeing ghosts because he didn't know where the pressure was coming from one point to another. Uh, the Pats were bringing more people than the Jets could block. Darnold was, was struggling, changing protections, seeing who was coming, getting the ball out hot, um, to take care of the extra blitzer that, the, because the Pats were bringing more people than the Jets can block. I'm just saying, man, go out on your shield, John absolutely bring the house every play if Bama's in passing situations yeah you're probably gonna get torched on the back end um besides Cameron Curl who's a really really good safety for Arkansas um overload test Mac Jones mentally see if you can do something but what do you do in a gambling situation where you have Arkansas Alabama on deck and then Sunday when these lines hit you're you, everyone's still trying to figure out the two a timeline uh, so I made to a, a nine-point adjustment for Bama. Wow, right? okay. How'd you do that? Um, sheesh. Uh, so I basically looked at what some previous quarterbacks have been when, when they've missed games, and I talked to some guys who bet games uh, for a living, and uh, some people thought it should be 10. Other people thought at least a touchdown. I said, all right, so nine make, makes a lot of sense to me. There, there's no, like, super scientific way to do this. Uh, so my previous number with Tua uh, was Bama 39. 
right? And my number without Tua is Bama 30 because Arkansas is like that bad. Uh, now, I also thought, okay, do I need to adjust this for pace, uh, which I'm not going to do yet, but I'm not sure that Bama is going to operate at the same tempo that they do with Tua uh, when they have Mac Jones in there. Um, so that's essentially how I did it there. We, we know that like college, like there's certain college quarterbacks who are more valuable than like some NFL quarterbacks are, right? Like people generally over adjust in the NFL when somebody's hurt, you know, like people over adjusted when Cam Newton got hurt and when Drew Brees got hurt, like they're really, really valuable, but they're not like change the, the spread by a touchdown valuable in college. Sometimes you have guys that are that much better than the competition just because everybody on the field in the NFL is a pro, right? Right. Everybody in the NFL is a college player, but the the variance as far as what a college player is 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 a lot wider than the variance as far as like what an NFL player is. Very interesting, uh, gentlemen. Look, as you we, can quickly look yeah, quickly. I've said a lot of a lot of nice stuff about Tennessee in the last two podcasts that you've listened to. the The fact is, Tennessee got home with with some really fun blitzes in that game against Alabama on third Saturday. Um, they had a back breaking roughing the passer call on a blitz that got home. Um, that Najee Harris dropped the hot route throw and it was a third down situation and Tennessee should have gotten off the field there. It's a bad call. And then Alabama proceeds to drive down the field score and basically put the game away. Um, so there's a path here to covering. Okay. I like it. Uh, all right. So our pick here basically for viewability is, uh, uh, minor evening buffet, but just don't watch Notre Dame and Michigan. I think we're all in agreement on that. Let's go to the drunk. We have four games in the evening slot, the late evening slot, the drunk. Cal goes to Utah, FS1, 9 p.m. Central. 9.15 Central, Utah State is at Air Force on ESPN2. CBS Sports Network has San Diego State at Nevada, Las Vegas. And Wazoo goes to Oregon at 9.30 on ESPN. Of course, gentlemen, let's start there. We feel good about Oregon after that come-from-behind victory on the road in Seattle last week. The Pac-12 feels very good about Oregon, as they are sort of the last stand for them to have any conversation nationally. Which means they're going to lose this game by 24 points. That's I'm my kidding. question. That's I'm my kidding. question. That's, that's, the, that's, that's the scenario that we can all see playing out and saying, oh, yeah, that's extremely Pac-12. Uh, it is extremely Pac-12, but what did Vegas think about Oregon last week in terms of this game this week? Because... Wazoo's formidable. I don't know if they're built to beat this kind of Oregon team. This isn't the kind of Oregon team they've upset before. It, it, it's not. Uh, Vegas made the line, I think, 14 and a half, I believe. I made it 11. Uh, so I went ahead and took Vegas, I went ahead and took Wazoo just, just based on a numbers play. Also, if you believe in the idea of a hangover game, like that was such a big game for Oregon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Washington State had it pretty easy against Colorado. College kids have a hard time getting up for like back to back to back big games, which is another reason why I'm concerned about Penn State because back to back to back weeks at Iowa host Michigan. Now you got to go to East Lansing, not to bring it back to that to that game uh, there. But also totally unrelated, I have Penn State twenty eight hundred plus twenty eight hundred to win the Big Ten, and uh, if they win this, I'm real happy. Uh, <laughs> not going to hedge you quite yet, I don't think. But uh, Washington State, they may be able to to score enough to keep this somewhat interesting. Utah beating Arizona State was not a massive win that would create a hangover scenario, but Cal comes into Salt Lake and Cal can do Utah type things on defense. Utah can also fall prey to their own the the, the problems they create on defense. They often fall prey to on offense, I should say. Um, does Cal have any shot in this? Both quarterbacks yeah. are out. Of course, I would literally was yeah. Of course, sell me. Uh, 
So Huntley is officially out. I I don't think he's playing from from what what I've what I've been reading. And the backup was not real good uh, for Utah. I don't know if you saw this, he went one of three for fourteen yards. Well, the situation with for Utah is this. They have one loss. That one loss is to USC. They need to keep pace with USC of sorts to win this division. So, a you hiccup. Can, I, I mean, I, a hiccup I, loss here is going to is is going to not knock them out, but close to it. Look, I just oh, want I, I just want Utah to do Utah to do what it do and just run, just run all like Cal's defense is really good, but Cal's defense is gettable um, running the ball. Uh, hey. Uh, Article uh, now says Tyler Huntley insists I'm playing this week. There so maybe he actually right. will play. It could be some gamesmanship. We'll see. I feel bad for Justin Wilcox here just because the drop off from, I can't believe I'm saying this because it's not like Chase Garvers was good. The issue is that Devin Modster and who's the other kid for for uh, Cal, the, the other back, the other quarterback Br- they have? Brash? Brash? I, I think so. Those guys can't play football. Like they're, they, like there's a real chance. I'm not saying it's gonna. It's likely, but it's not a non-zero chance that Cal has started four and zero, and then post that injury against Arizona State, they could finish zero and eight down the stretch. All right, I'm serious. Like they can't score. Look at their last games. Like I don't think they've scored more than uh, more than ten points in a half since uh, since Garbers went out, and they finish very difficult at Utah, host Washington State, host USC. They're at Stanford, which by that time I assume Stanford gets some dudes back, and then UCLA. They're at UCLA. Like the thing, they're just in a situation now where if the opponent scores twenty, they're going to lose the game. They've scored seventeen, seven, and seventeen, including that seventeen was against Oregon State, uh, which is like one of the worst defenses in all of Power Five. And then they scored. Uh, yeah, that's their score since since they lost their quarterback. They just guys, they can't score. All right. Uh, let's leave it at there as far as the drunk goes. Uh, definitely a more of the two Mountain West games in between there. The much more watchable one would be Utah State at Air Force. I think uh, San Diego State and UNLV is going to be pretty ugly there. So if you'd like to flip around, I think you anchor on Oregon just to see, just to see. You know, feels like that referendum. I, I'm, I'm in a Wisconsin type of position with Oregon now. Uh, because I do go back and look at that Auburn game in week one and think, you know, there's a there, there's a player or a decision away from being undefeated and really changing the way that we, I don't know, make fun of the Pac-12 a little bit less, I guess. Let's go to look-aheads. Bud, you're going to take us through these. You ready? Yep. Um, we're going to hold Utah and Washington for a second, okay? SMU's at Memphis. Memphis is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Florida State is a one-point favorite at home against Miami. Purdue is a three-point favorite uh, at home against Nebraska. Sorry. Uh, Cocktail Party, you've got Georgia as a five-point favorite. Oregon is a five-point road favorite going to USC. And FAU is at Western Kentucky, and the toppers are a one-point home favorite. You've got an IDK basically holding the line on Washington and Utah because of the quarterback situation. I I made that before I realized Huntley was um, uh, had declared himself playing this week. I assume if he plays this week, he will play next week. Although... Now that I think about this, if you're Utah, do you do you hold him out? Maybe because you're probably gonna like. There's a real chance you shut out Cal, um, and you're gonna need him to win on the road at Washington next week. Um, of all these lines, the one that jumps out is that you think Memphis is seven and a half points better than SMU, which, as much as I'm having, I mean, it's fun to watch SMU. I I feel the same way. Memphis seven plays defense a lot, man. 
I don't know, man. I like Memphis is Memphis is fun. I think I feel like there's an element of physicality there when you watch them in, in the very, very untrained naked eye of simply just a plain old American sports writer. I could be wrong. Cincinnati could come through and be better situationally, but right now I just want to. You, you feel like you want to ride Memphis in the AAC. Um, Knowles are a point better than Miami. Is that it? So the power ratings say no, uh, but at the same time, uh, the power ratings had Miami favored at Pitt this week, and the Vegas odds makers have finally adjusted, and they're they're just tired of uh, the coaching going on down there in Miami. And like, I don't know if you saw this stat from our, from our old friend Bill, uh, but Miami has had three losses in which their post game win expectancy was seventy percent or more. Jesus. <laughs> Uh, like, I'm revising my my commentary on Washington State, Oregon. We laughed at this not necessarily being a style fit for a, an upset for Wazoo. Look ahead situation. I mean, they're going to USC, and USC does have the talent to play the or the new Oregon style and get them better. Right? Sandwich spot. Sandwich spot. Off as, a big game. Good. Big game coming up. You got to yeah. play this team. It's you really have to prep to play one of these air raid teams. That's a Rich- test for this coaching staff. Can they get Oregon up to to be prepared? Richard, does five points feel right for Georgia, or is it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I think I think five is about right. I would probably do it a little bit closer, maybe three, um, okay. just because of the things that we've been talking about. Is Georgia's passing game? Um, I would probably do it around three. Uh, I don't think five is absurd. If this was like a touchdown. Like more than a touchdown, I'd be like, "All right, settle down." But five's uh, okay. But yeah, uh, I would probably casual- take you at five. By the way, okay. Well, I will say this from a casual perspective: for uh, very different reasons, it will be very fun to come back next week to talk to you gentlemen about these two Florida-centric games because uh, I love narrative, and these two games have plenty of them. Richard, I will see you Sunday, bud. We'll catch you next week. <laughs>